G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your host, Tim Dez. Well, welcome, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is Tim Dez with you once again all around Australia. We are so appreciative of you tuning in and uh, hope you're going well. Hope you're doing well. You know, we are uh, all going through stuff in life and uh, hopefully at the Momentum website you can find some stuff to help you on your journey. That is MomentumAustralia.org. And, and of course we have a Caroline, but I'll let my good friend, co-host and Irish legend, Des Kennedy, introduce that into the dish. Are legends not people who are already dead? No, you've already reached the stage, my friend. I don't know about room but I mean, that's, a bit, that's a bit rough. <laughs> but the, uh, remember, Caroline, please, uh, guys, just remember the number. It's an easy number to remember. It's one eight hundred triple zero man And it is provided by our friends at Caroline Connections. And it is all about giving you a number that you can call whenever you're struggling, when you're on your own, when you need to reach out to somebody and you don't have anybody close around you. And you can reach out seven days a week. Between 9 a.m. and 11 p.m., 1-800-000. Man. Now, just before we uh, continue, I just want to say, as we always say, that it is find somebody that you can get close to, who can hold us all accountable, who you can be open and honest with, because that is the greatest benefit to you as a man. Mm. And so, but if you haven't got that, 1-800-000. Man. Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff, stuff Des. Yeah, yeah, we, we do, do absolutely endorse your momentum. Men not, not doing life on their own, and, and so we encourage that for sure. And, and you know, there's certain times of year that can certainly bring those feelings of isolation and loneliness, and, and one, one of them, of course, is Father's Day. We want to acknowledge not only Father's Day, but acknowledge and celebrate all dads making a positive difference in their kids' lives and or those making a difference in the lives of kids in communities all around Australia. And as you know, Tim, fatherlessness is a growing problem. And, and it's having a huge impact on not only Australian children, but in families, but also right across communities and societies. And one organisation which has been around for several years now, it's helping men all around Australia be better dads, is the Fathering Project. Now, the project was founded back in 2013 by Dr Bruce Robinson. Since then, Bruce has become somewhat of a leader in the, in the promotion, promotion of good fathering. fathering. And they should three best-selling books on fathering. I, I, I don't know how you get three books, but that's amazing. You write three books. I'm giving fathering seminars all around the world. And it's a great privilege and pleasure to have Bruce with us on this week from Edmonton. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. Bruce, for those who perhaps have heard of you, they may have heard of the Fathering Project, not sure where it's come from. I mean, you're, you're the man that instigated all of this. Let's, let's find out a bit about you before we launch into the Fathering Project. Um, Born in Freo here in uh, Western Australia in 1950, grew up in Bassendee, which is just on the outskirts of the city. You once said that uh, growing up in a stable and loving home is something people typically come to appreciate later in life. So without further ado, tell us a bit about your childhood. What was that like for you? Yeah, it's so very much a working-class childhood. That's known as a factory suburb. Dad worked in the factory. Mum was a typical housewife. Um, and we didn't have much money, but, you know, we just... 
had a pretty nice family. family. Not, Not a perfect, perfect family, family, but uh, I, I actually call, I still keep up with some of my school friends from Bassendee. We all play footy together and we still catch up. And we had a discussion a few weeks ago. What did we appreciate about growing up in such a working-class environment on the river? Everybody said the same thing. A Tom Sawyer childhood. Riding your bike, swimming, uh, just basically disappearing from home. Freedom. But then when you got home, meal on the table and a lot of love. And again, yeah. I don't want to pretend it was a perfect family, but certainly felt loved. Mm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great basis for a family anyway, isn't it? Just having, you know, looking back and saying, you know, I was loved. I mean, there's so many men that come and, you know, listen to Momentum who wouldn't have had that experience of, you know, feeling loved and so forth. They, you know, would maybe the other end of the spectrum, you know, lots of them have all the things that they want, but don't feel the love. And that's, that's really sad. I think that is a challenge, you know, and I know... Having talked to so many thousands of dads, that the process of communicating love to children, I mean, you can easily say, hey, I love you, although a lot of dads struggle to do that. But even then, kids are too smart to be hoodwinked by a phrase, oh, I love you so much. Actually showing love is a challenge for dads. Probably harder now than when I was a kid. So why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a couple of problems that we're confronted with, and one of them is... Um, now, now, my dad used to get home every night at 5 o'clock. Yeah. But yeah. dads nowadays, they get home a lot later, um, and they're often on their phones and, you know, a bit you know, distracted by, so, you know, just not having to work at home or maybe just not having to, but working at home. I don't think it's to get their dad's attention. But there is another major problem, which is that the kids of today face a lot more challenges than when I was a kid. One of the obvious ones is uh, drugs. Methamphetamine is a party drug. Binge drinking, 17-year-olds, 32% of 17-year-olds. Binge drink at least once a month. Major risks. Um, social media, and when I talk about social media, it's not an evil per se, but you think of a couple of things. The first is cyberbullying. You know, when I was a kid at school, you know, some people could get whacked and, you know, everyone would gathered around, but it was all over in five minutes. <laughs> now it's 24 hours a day, it's, you know, lots of people can see it, it's, it's anonymous, so anyone can do it. It's very hurtful to kids, it's very hard for them to feel loved. And the other one uh, is actually pornography. I'm not talking about pre-teens who have a distorted view, for example, of being able to love someone. This is not a moralistic question, this is actually a fundamental question about being able to engage with another human being in an intimate way Based on love. This is what all the sociologists say. Bruce, can I, can I ask then, as, um, as, as a father, when, when we're um, parenting boys and girls, obviously the love, love thing would kind of span over both, but each needs to be spoken to slightly differently to draw out that individualness in who they are, right? So can you give us some, I suppose, some bullet points for parents of... Or dads, dads of boys, and, and then what, what we're speaking into boys' lives particularly, and likewise to girls. Well, let me start with girls. Pretty easy because I wrote a book about daughters and their dads, and that was because of the clamouring of mothers to say, please write a book about daughters and their dads. Dads have got no idea. It's what they told me too. But in answer to your question, there are three things a daughter needs from her dad as distinct from a son. One is she has to be told she's beautiful, beautiful inside and out. Secondly, 
She has to be given confidence. Not say, oh, that's a stupid thing, but ask her opinion. And so she feels confident because the imposter syndrome is very common in girls when they grow up. Mm. Yeah. And thirdly, and you know, thirdly, a daughter learns from her dad how to expect to be treated by a man. That's absolutely right. And, you know, if this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. All right, well, welcome back to the second part of this week's Momentum. Once again, Tim, with you. We are joined uh, by our special guest, Dr. Bruce Robinson from the Fathering Project. Uh, the Fathering Project.org is the website. Encourage you to check it out. There is a bunch of resources on that website, fathingproject.org. And actually, uh, judging from the way that the first part of the show does not just sing, it felt like about five minutes. So there's a lot of information that's probably going to come at you in the next 10 to 15 minutes. So maybe grab a notepad as well as you're listening. But uh, Dr. Bruce Robinson is our special guest. And Bruce, just before we launch into the Fathering Project and a bit more about that, I did want to ask you because you said, you know, you know, when, when you, you were young, your dad came, came home at 5 o'clock every night. night. And, and I'm curious to know what the relationship was between you and your dad. dad. I, I suppose the overriding theme in the first part of the show was spending time. Just time with our kids is really important. So, so what did that, that look like for you and dad when he got, got in at 5 o'clock every night? night? What was the relationship between you guys? Good question. He didn't do a lot at 5 o'clock. I mean, you know, there's a lot of wood chopping and, you know, whether to chop wood for the fires and... Mowing the lawns, um, and, and I don't, you know, know on the plus, plus side, Dad in the summer would take us, me and my brother and sister, early morning swimming down the river, and he would take us out camping. And Dad's idea of camping was just to get in the car and get a sleeping bag and sleep under the stars and get some wood and catch some fish. That, you know, my mother, I think, wasn't sure that all the kids would come home, but it was a fantastic experience. But, but I'd like to be honest and say, did have a drinking problem as well. He learned to drink during the war and um, heavy smoker, and you know that caused him problems at various times. And that actually affected, to be honest, my brother quite a bit. He was younger than me, and Dad had his worst times of depression and drinking when my brother was, um, you know, sort of needed him. So, but yeah, there was time. I just to quickly say two, two things. Well, one thing about my dad. My dad. Well, two things. One is, my dad taught me to take responsibility for my own life. He didn't say, if you get into trouble and come home and police and, you know, I'll trash you in the inch of your life. He said, it's your responsibility, mate. I'll be disappointed. But you'll face the consequences. You make your own decisions in life. You think about it and make your own decisions. Secondly, he was a good role model for making the difference. He was president of the RSL, looked after all the old veterans, him and his mates, and... And he basically measured the success of life by whether you made a difference. And that impacted on me quite a bit in how I live my life in medicine and in life. Two good things to say, Patrick. That's really cool. Let's launch into the Fathering Project. Again, fathingproject.org. You founded it back in 2013. And the aim is supporting fathers, father figures to be the best parent they can be so their children can thrive. I suppose lead us back into... 2013, 2012, whatever, or whatever has led you to that point to go, I need to do something about this, and I'm going to be the guy that's going to step up and do something. 
Yeah, it wasn't quite as, you know, a lot of things were an accident, but a couple of seminal moments. The first is sitting like, so I'm a lung specialist in medicine, and that's common as lethal cancer. So I have to tell people, mostly men, not always, that they're going to die. To be honest, about three hours ago, I told a man in his 50s he had cancer. This is how often I do it. And... But, but I also, also do the journey with them. That's, you know, showing compassion. Like, but I don't just sort of hand all along to oncology, etc. So we get talking. And the men, they always, when they talk about regrets, they said, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. But the thing that got to my heart, honestly, when they said, you can't get the time back again. I wish someone had told me when I was young. That'd be a good day. I can't get the time back again. But the, the other, other seminal moment, moment actually was um, when, when, I, when we started to look at the statistics. And it, it turns out, being a good dad isn't just good for dads. Hey, you know, feel good about it and go to sleep at night feeling happy and having good times. It's that it has, it has a spectacular effect on the well-being of children. In other words, if you don't have a good dad, your risks of things like being a drug addict or getting depressed and... Or losing, or losing your values, values may end up in jail, or bad attitude, bullying at school. They're all profoundly reduced if you've got a good dad. So we realised this wasn't just good for dads, this is good for kids. I mean, we owe this to our kids to really get dads engaged and learning what, what a good dad is. Mm. That's how it started. And then I started giving talks at schools and what have you, and, and basically a board formed, and uh, now it's all over the country. It's amazing. He, he says, says <laughs> just, just a so matter, matter of fact. fact. Yeah. But, but I mean, look, what, again, when I, was, I, I knew about, about you guys, guys uh, here, here in Western Australia, Australia we've, we've heard about, about the Fathering Project a fair bit, bit. Uh, particularly because obviously it was funded here, here but, but it wasn't, wasn't until, until I was doing the research for this interview that I didn't understand just how much you have on offer for guys at the website. And I can't stress that enough, thefatheringproject.org. A couple of things I want to unpack with you. You've got one of the things on there, the Fathering Channel, which, which I thought was really cool because there's just simple stuff on there. There's deeper stuff on there. There's like tips for cooking. There's tips for how to have certain conversations at certain ages with the kids, that sort of thing. I mean, just really practical stuff for dads. I just thought that was so brilliant. And again, easy stuff that dads can access and take on board. So why would you put it on there, tips for cooking? Well, every, every dad's different and every kid's different and every circumstance is different. So, well, that was what they wanted. So, I mean, I'm not a cook. Honestly, I'm utterly useless. It's a very bad role model. I feel like watching my son cook. No, the following channel started during COVID, actually, when all the dads were So, we had to do stuff and, you know, we had things like camping out in the backyard and instructions for that and ideas and tips for and then, of course, we have, have ideas and tips for how dad groups at schools can have a camp out in the school playground and how you make that work. work. Uh, and in, in fact, fact, I encourage any dad who's listening to, if, you know, get, to, to go, go to their school principal or their PNC and say, we, we want, want a dad's group in our school, we're going to start it. Well, let's, let's talk about dad's groups, groups right? right? Because, because this is, again, Des and I, our key messaging around momentum is dads to not do life in isolation, get connected. Um, start, start having, having conversations, conversations that, you know, about, about stuff that's happening in your life. life. Let's, let's just 
talk, not, not talk, talk about, about the footy, footy and particularly if the West Coast Eagles are involved in the moment. Let's talk about the footy. That's, that's a different story. I don't know anything about the West Coast Eagles. Well, you're not missing much. But let's talk about the dads groups in particular. Because, I mean, when I look at some of the stats, right, Bruce, 98% of dads reported feeling more connected to other dads. 82% of dads had more awareness of the impact their impact on their child. 75% of dads became more engaged in conversation with the children. I mean, they are amazing yeah. stats and percentages. So tell us a bit about the dads group, what it looks like, how they run, etc., etc. Sure, yeah, well, it started off just dads getting together and then maybe, you know, doing a hilltop derby or a camp out with their kids or having fun with their kids. But then we began doing something that turned out to be very powerful. We would provide them with a 15-minute video on some topic like how do you help your dad?